Man, I've got something in my heart to share with you. I want to share uh, just um, an encounter, an experience, a testimony, I suppose it is, that happened to me in the UK when I was there now, Scotland in particular. Thank you, Pastor Debbie Smith. Pastor Debbie Smith of the church in Scotland was watching last night. She woke up early this morning, and she said God spoke to her. She was watching last night. She said God spoke to her and said, Elijah said, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. Ahab, you know, the prophet said to him, hook up your chariot because I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. And Debbie's an amazing prophet, and she said it had begun to rain last night. She said, but I want to tell you, the deluges will open up over the weekend. Amen. And so let's be ready for God just to pour out his spirit. The way that you sang that song tells me that you want more. Amen. And uh, everywhere I've been going, and before even going to the UK, and then strongly in the UK, I heard, and I'll just share something tomorrow morning after Pastor Bobby's preached before we anoint everybody with oil. But I just kept hearing, you know, forget the former things, behold, I do a new thing. And I want to tell you that the entire New Testament dispensation is the new thing. Behold, I make all things new. The terms and conditions of the law, if you broke the law, there was no rain, and it would continue and become drought and famine, and then eventually conquest, subjugation, exile, and destruction. That was the terms and conditions of the law. And so when God was speaking to the prophet Isaiah, right through the book of Isaiah, right starting from 28, and it goes to uh, chapter 35, broad streams and rivers, the glorious Lord will be there, that place for you. Isaiah 43, Isaiah 44, I will provide waters in the wilderness, streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, and there's water. I will pour water on him who's thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I want you to know when Jesus died on the cross, he opened up the floods. When they put the spear in his side, blood. Blood and water flowed. Because the blood flowed, the spirit could flow. And so we are living in the time of the floods. Amen. Of the rains, of the deluge. We don't have to wait for another time. We are in that time. Amen. So I want to touch on something this morning. And I want to put all of that into context biblically for you. For us to understand what incredible times that we are living in. And probably as I go through and go through the scriptures, you'll go like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. I've read that scripture before. I didn't fully understand it. I'm trusting for a spirit of revelation this morning that by the time I'm finished, you will just, your mind will be blown. Amen. But more than that, that we'll be so open to have so much more of God in these days. Amen. That we operate greater power, greater anointing, greater flow of the Holy Ghost. So when I got to England, the Lord spoke to me the day that I saw that the queen had died. And he said, your trip is taking on greater significance now. And the Lord said to me, I'm making all things new. The old God represented by the queen is out. The new is coming in represented by the king. And that's what God spoke to me. And then he graced me just supernaturally. We just, you know, Mike and Debbie picked the date, invited me over. Pastor Kevin picked me up at the airport. And here comes the king driving three meters past me in waves. I'm standing there. The power of God comes over. The anointing comes over me. And he said, you are seeing the entrance of the new. The old is out. You're seeing the coming of the new. I was overwhelmed by the presence and the power of God. So the trip was powerful. I got to Scotland. I just need to tell you about it. I had met Mike and Debbie. They were co-pastoring a church in Hatfield, England, just near St. Albans. Hatfield is very much like a Bonera Park. It's right outside British Aerospace, you know, like we are with Denal and the airport. 
And um, it was a brethren church. And uh, they asked me to come and preach. And wherever I had been on that particular trip, revival was just breaking out. And so I got to this brethren church. No Holy Spirit, you know, no tongues, no, you know, no nothing, no gifts, no healings, no nothing. And they're all sitting there. Before the meeting, I'm praying and I'm saying, Holy Spirit, you just need to go easy here tonight. These people don't even believe in you. They don't even know that you exist. So I said, please, please, Holy Spirit, don't come in with army boots. Just come in gentle Jesus, you know. And I stood up and I started to minister and the power of God hit the place. Prophetic words over people. And that's how God opened the door for me to go to Armenia, Egypt, Holland, and all of those places. Because of a lady I prophesied over. And the power of God broke out. Anyway, that church became a full-on charismatic church from that moment. The lead elder handed over leadership to the charismatic church nearby. And uh, Mike and Heather Dice took over the church eventually. And then Mike and Debbie were the co-pastors. And nearly every trip I went over, I would go to the Hatfield Church. So, anyways, since 2007, I haven't traveled. Now, I've been to Zimbabwe to go and write the book. You know, we're really busy. You know, we're planting another church with Monoko and Noko. And things are busy. We're planning for the conference. And then I get a message from Debbie Smith. I'd noticed that Mike and Debbie were watching our programs. So now I get a message from Debbie Smith. Can I call you? So I said, yeah, great. So she FaceTimes me. So I'm sitting in my office, and she said, we have a conference in October. She said, we would like you to come and preach. You are the speaker for the conference, and it's called Greater Works. She said, I know I've been following you on live stream, and she said, I know you're very busy. She said, but could you come? And I said, well, just stay on. And I went, and I turned the camera around, and I just said, okay, let's just look at the board. Yeah, I'm doing this. Yeah, I'm doing that. Yeah, I'm doing that. What are those dates again? I go like, oh, my goodness. It's October. It's going to be tight. I'll have been in Zimbabwe for three weeks. I'll be back two weeks in my church. Then I will be with you guys for three weeks. And then I'll be back two weeks in my church, and we've got a conference. And I said, but hey, let's do this thing. So she said, awesome. We'll set it up. And uh, so the wheels started rolling. We get going. So the first place I go to is Ireland, Belfast, and uh, powerful meetings there. That's where the girl with a cerebral palsy, you know, God just t- touched her leg. And the pastor's wife with a golf ball size growth in her breast just instantly disappeared. It's just amazing miracles. And then, so I got to Scotland, and they just wanted me to chill a little bit, so they took me out to this lock to fly fish. And so we fly fishing and we're fishing. And then he turns to me and says, by the way, that this lock, this dam that you're fishing on is fed by a spring that comes out over there. And he says it's called Rumbling Brook. And he said, it's actually a healing well. I said, I've got to go and see that. I've got to go to that healing well. So he said on the last day of April every year, in hundreds of years ago, the people would go and gather around Rumbling Well, and there's a few other wells. And um, so I said, we got to go. So I said, but have you got a bottle? So he says, yeah, he runs back to the car. So we go around, and here's this water, crystal clear water, bubbling out and feeding this lock. So the last day of April, every year, hundreds of people would gather there. On the morning of the 1st of May, they would go, and they would drink of the water, put the water of themselves, blind eyes, ear open, deaf ears, cripples walking from that healing well. Because there was an apostolic movement of great apostles, starting from the time of St. Patrick, and it went down over centuries. There was the apostle St. Ninian, 
St. Cuthbert and others, great powerful men of God, apostolic men. They would develop apostolic centers. They would train people up, anoint them with oil, and send them out across the country of Celtic origin. And they would go and they would just minister with great power signs and wonders. So one of these great apostles had prayed over the well. So the water comes out and, you know, they get healed. So I've got to go. So I did the film and I said to him, you know, if I get back to ACF and I tell them, that I went to that healing well and I drank the water and I didn't bring some back, I'll be in big trouble. So we filled the bottle. But I mean, I drank water. I splashed water over myself. I, I just did the whole thing. And Mike standing there watching me, he joined in, you know, eventually. And so I put my hands in the well and I started to pray. And I said, Lord, would you just open these healing wells again? Open these healing wells. In that area of Scotland, there are 120 healing wells that apostolic men prayed over and people would go and get healed. Such phenomenal miracles would happen that there was a king by the name of King John, but he wasn't the good guy. He was the bad guy. When he saw the miracles, he bought the field and he fenced it off, you know, with a stone wall so he could have his own healing well for him and his family. So anyway, so they're telling me this. I said, hey, I'm coming again. And I said, and we're going to go and visit the healing wells. He said, within a few miles from here, there's about 15. So I said, I'm coming in, and we're going to do a holy well tour. I said, we're going to do like a pub crawl at these healing wells. You know, these healing wells. We're going to go. I said, we're just going to visit. I said, I'll preach Sundays, but in between, we're just going to go, Jesus, you know, and just put our hands in that water. So I brought a bottle of water back. So sometime in November, we're going to do a miracle pool, and I'm pouring that water in there. Is that okay? So I, I did a bit of fishing, caught my first Scottish trout, and then now it's about time for the conference to start. And then Debbie says, I need to speak to you. And it's all official, so I'm thinking, oh, I'm in trouble. And so her and Mike and their son David, Pastor David, with his wife Abby, they take me into the lounge and they said, I need to tell you something. So I, I'm sitting there and I'm a little bit worried about what I'm about to hear, you know, so... She says, I just want to share this with you because I believe it's extremely relevant. She said, when we were praying about the conference, she said, Lord, who do we ask to come and preach for this conference? And the Lord said to her, you ask John. And then she said to the Lord, but he's so busy. She said, it's okay, ask him, he will come. So I was, oh, thank goodness for that. So then she says, On my 50th birthday a few years ago, she said, Mike, her husband, and Dave, her son, they've got metal detectors, and they go out because it's such a historic area. He says they found a few nails and a few things like that, but nothing of great value, nothing of any value, really. So it's her 50th birthday. They go out to do some metal detecting, and she said, Lord, I'm 50 today. She said, is there anything you want to tell me? The Lord said to her, yes, there is something I want to tell you. She said, what is it, Lord? She said, on the day that the treasure is revealed and brought to light, the treasure will be of epic kingdom proportions and of world renown. And on the day that it's revealed, I want you to know this. And the Lord gives her Isaiah 45 and verse 3. And the Lord said to her, The day that that treasure is revealed, know this, that I will give you or give thee the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places, that thou mayest know that I, the Lord which call thee by name, 
am the God of Israel. And the incredible thing was that with that, the Lord gives them a whole lot of scriptures. All those scriptures that I'd already chosen for the conference. I will pour water, provide water in the wilderness. All those. Isaiah 58. You will be a well-watered garden whose streams fail not. You will raise up ancient foundations and the ancient pathways. You know, and uh, sons and the daughters that are of thee, you know, will do the raising up. And all of those scriptures, the Lord gives them all of those scriptures, but the key one was Isaiah 45. So when she had phoned me, just backing up, when she had phoned me, and I said, all right, I'm coming. So I'm thinking, okay, now I've got to prepare for the conference. I've got to do this. But Lord, what do I share with this church? And the Lord gives me a message, just this message. And I start preparing this message. Once I prepared it, I was thinking, wow, this is, I don't know if this is the, the right message. And, you know, in Afrikaans, twayful, like a twayful. You know, I was like two minds about, you know, is this the message? It just sounds a little bit, you know, babyfied. The contents wasn't, but the title just sounded like a little bit putsy, you know, like. And I was thinking, Lord, is this the right message, right message? So anyway, she says, now she's telling me, she says, so this is what the Lord says. So Mike and David get home. And they said, hi, honey, how are you doing? Did you have a great day? It was her birthday, so they were going to take her out. She said, yeah, sit down. I need to tell you something. She said, while you were out, I prayed. And the Lord said to me that on the day that the treasure is brought to light and manifest, it will be epic and of kingdom proportions and of world renown. And no, on this day, and she quoted Isaiah 45 verse 3. They said, oh, wow. So they decide, you know, a couple of days later to go out again. So they took me to the spot, and, and, and I was standing on the hill across a valley. There's a river, and the Vikings used to row up that river and come and attack that area of Scotland in their longboats. And he said, see that field over there? We went with our metal detectors, and we were scanning the field, and it went off a beep. And we dug up, and we found 29 Roman coins, 700 years old. And we dug them up. We scanned around nothing else. He said, I immediately phoned my mom and said, Mom, I think we found it. She said, what is it? And he said, we've got 29 Roman coins, about 700 years old. She said, that's not the treasure. She said, God said, it will be epic of kingdom proportions and world renown. And so they said, okay. So they came right up over the hill to a field on this side. So where I was standing, I was between the two fields. And so they began to scan that field, absolutely nothing. The end of that, Mike turns around and he says to David, his son, I want to scan that field there. So they'd befriended another guy who's got a bigger machine, and he phones that guy, and he says, would you come and help us? I want to scan this field. So the guy says, man, I've scanned that hundreds of times. I've gone over every square. There's nothing. That field is clean. But if you want to do it, I know the farmer. I'll phone him and get permission, which he does. So they set a date where they're going to go and, you know, scan the field again. So the night before, and Mike is a very laid-back, very relaxed guy. The night before, the guy with the bigger machine phones him and says, well, I'm not feeling that great and, and blah, blah, and all this kind of thing. And uh, David said he was so shocked because his dad said, no, we had an appointment. We're going today. So they went out. David stayed at home, was preparing a sermon for that night. And in the middle of the field, they picked up a beep. And Mike then also scans it with his little machine. Sure enough, there's a beep. And the guy says, I don't know. I don't know what's happening here because I've covered every square inch of this field. There's nothing. So it beeps. So they put the machines aside and they said, well, let's dig. They start to dig and they hit a layer of solid silver bars lined up with apostolic markings on it, Celtic markings, 
bars of silver. And they go, oh my goodness, look at this. The guy says, this is something. We've got to stop. He phoned the lady in charge of the treasuries and museums and archaeology of the whole of Scotland and says, listen, we found something. You better get here now. The lady says, no, I've got an appointment. I'll see you later. He says, listen, you may want to cancel that appointment and get here now, but send a police car as well. So shortly, a police car came parked across the gate of the field. This will all be available for you on video in a week or two's time. The field is completely walled with stone walls. And where there's no stone walls, it's fence and hedgerows. You cannot get in. Only one entrance, one exit, and it's the gate. Police car pulls across the gate. A little while later, this woman comes screaming in with her car, goes and goes like, oh, my goodness. So they start to pick out the silver bars, layer upon layer. Eventually, they tack out 79 silver bars, more than 79 silver bars, many of them with the Celtic cuttings on it. They take it out. They scan again. They discover more. They discover gold brooches, glassware, and all kinds of things, amulets and bracelets, and, and just incredible amount of things they start to discover. They're unloading this. David phones Debbie and says, I think we found it. She says, I think that's the one. That's the one. So they carry on digging, and they're unearthing all of these treasures. And the lady in charge of the archaeology, museums, and treasures department just absolutely blown away. So they dig, they dig, they dig. And then she says, listen, the first layers were the decoy layers. Oh, by the way, when they took the first silver bars out, there was a cross, a solid silver cross. And on each of the arms of the cross was pictures of one of the gospel writers standing with the glory halo and with the word of God preaching with a silver necklace. And um, they take that out. And when they take it out, they said, this is more than likely St. Cuthbert's cross that he wore when he was traveling around preaching. St. Cuthbert's cross. They take it out, they scan, and then it's beeping again. So they said, this is the mother load. This is the honey pot. This is where the real treasure is. They open it, and there is a solid gold. I think it's a solid gold or solid silver, but I think it's solid gold. It's a solid gold engraved jar still wrapped in cloth and leather buried in the ground. Now, this is dating back to the 600s, 800s AD, this treasure. And um, they start opening it up. They gently open the leather, and they start opening, and they're pulling out gold and silver and all this kind of things. And one of the, for us, the most precious things is they take out this gold bottle that has got gold weave over it, and there's still residue of anointing oil in it that St. Cuthbert anointed the apostles that he trained before he sent them out. And he would also anoint kings and priests with that bottle of anointing oil. And the residue was in there. They carry on opening and they found dirt balls about that size inside the jar. And the dirt balls are full of gold dust to help them stay compact. And it took them six years, that department, six years. They only just came to the conclusion recently. They did tests on the dirt balls to see where do these dirt balls come from. And they discovered that the first dirt ball's um, soil matched exactly the soil in Bethlehem. The second dirt ball matched exactly the soil on the banks of the Jordan River. The third dirt ball matched exactly the dirt, the sand at Golgotha. And so in those dirt balls, they had the beginnings in the middle and the end of the life of Christ. Many other things. So now it's getting dark. 
They've got everything out. They carry on scanning. There's no more beeps. And they said, okay, it's night, but they had to keep going and had to keep the police there watching the field because otherwise people would come and just invade and dig the whole place up. And so this happens now. And um, they're um, finishing off. They've got everything. They're taking all the treasure, and it's priceless. To this day, it's the biggest find of Viking treasure in Scottish history to this day of epic kingdom proportions and of world renown. All those treasures are doing their rounds in the museums in Scotland at this point in time. So it's now pitch black, and they're standing there, and all of a sudden, a brilliant rainbow appears in the sky over them, over that spot. And David said, all the scientists are looking, going like, a rainbow at night, there's no clouds, you need light for rainbow. It's pitch black. This brilliant rainbow over the treasure site. And they're all looking at it and going like, what is this? What is this? I'm not inventing the story. You will see the interview with Mike and Debbie and David. A brilliant rainbow. So, you know, Mike and, and David especially are just like, this is amazing. So they've all arranged to meet back early the next morning just to carry on. But the next day, now there are people with seismic machines, big computers. They lined up everywhere. They got the probes going, and they're sending the shockwaves into the ground, and they discover that there was indeed an ancient apostolic, Celtic apostolic site there. You could see the whole size of where the church was. And the treasure was buried where the altar would have been. So they discover all of this, and it's like, oh, my word, oh, my word. So the lady in charge of archaeology department said, listen, if someone comes and asks you what you're doing, don't just fob them off with a like, oh, you know, they're just doing archaeological surveys and that kind of thing. So they're standing around, and David says that they were kind of standing in groups and talking, and uh, he turns on and looks, and here comes an old man walking to him. There's no way that you can get into that field except past the policeman and the police cars blocking the gate. Under strict instructions, no one's allowed in. And this old man comes walking up to him. So he's looking around thinking, who is this guy? How did he get in? There's no way. It's behind him is all the scientists. How did he get in? He says, the old man walks straight up to him and he says, what are you doing here? And David says, no, no, it's just archaeological survey. And, you know, he was giving them the line. And lying, yeah. So the old man looks at him, leans in and looks at him and says, you found the treasure, haven't you? Now David's shocked, and he goes, um, 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 um. and then the old man says to him, do you know whose field this is? And he said, no, I don't. Whose field is it? He said, this is the Lord's field. He said he was so shocked. He was so shocked, he went, um, um, and who are you? And the old man looked at him, leaned into him again, smiled, and said, I'm the gardener. He said, he went goosebumps. The presence of God came over him. And he was going, um, um, um. and he turned to call his dad. He was going, dad, dad, dad. And he turned around, nobody there. So now they're telling me the story. And that's how we feel we've got to tell you the story. I'm going, what did he say his name was? He said, I'm the gardener. I said, oh, Jesus, I've got to go and pray. And I ran upstairs. And I was on my knees on the floor. <clears throat> I said, Lord, what's going on here? What, what, what are you doing? What's happening? Because the message that the Lord gave me, this was the title of my sermon, The Gardener. 
for the entire weekend. The gardener. The gardener. I said, he saw the gardener. He said, he saw the gardener. He said, my name is the gardener. My message, the title is the gardener. And that was the message for the entire weekend. God is restoring his garden, the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. That those who meditate on his word are like trees planted by streams of living water. My second message was God is restoring the waters because in Eden there was a river that flowed. And I said, God is restoring the waters so that the trees can drink. Amen. My third message was God is restoring the authority that was lost in the garden. And he's raising up sons and daughters who will walk in authority for this time. And every verse that I shared was from Isaiah and Isaiah 58, Isaiah 45, the treasures of darkness. And they were just sitting there thinking, I just quickly written this message because of the story. But I had prepared the message a month before. Come on, church. What I'm trying to tell you is that God wants to do something. Amen. He's working with intentionality. He's working with purpose. Amen. And I was saying it for weeks and weeks here in our church before I left. If we are revived, if we revive ourselves, if we, you know, we often abdicate and give the responsibility of revival to God. No, he said, fan into flame the gift of God that's in you. Amen. He said, stir up the waters of Bethesda and jump in. Because those are the days that we're living in. And so we give that. No, no, it's our responsibility to get ourselves revived. Amen. Can I have a good amen? It's our responsibility. I was overwhelmed. I just knelt there for hours just weeping and saying, God, how gracious are you? It's a desire of my heart to see revival. I've been in revivals. I know what God accomplishes through revivals. We saw national revival in Armenia. In our church in 94, 95, we had this incredible revival and the amazing things they did. And so when Helen was preaching last night, I said, God, you know, that's my number one desire of my heart. And God sees the desire in my heart, tells Mike and Debbie to phone me and connect me to that whole thing. And I'm going, God, I was so humbled that you would connect me to this finding of this treasure. Why did they have to phone me? Amen. Because that's a passion of my heart and desire of my heart. Amen. So the spot where they are is right outside the town, and it's pronounced in Scottish Kirkubri. But if you say it like phonetically, it's Kirk Cuthbright. In other words, the church of Cuthbert. And that center, he sent out in his lifetime over 3,000 powerful apostolic men and women who went out taking the gospel all through. They intimidated the government and they intimidated the Anglican church to the point where at the Council of Whitby, they shut that whole thing down, that whole apostolic movement. And that's not all. Then they said, so David says, I'm in the field standing right in the spot where they discovered the treasure. I'm goosebumps. I mean, it's going through like waves over me, just goosebumps. I'm standing here where this treasure was discovered and God gave her a promise and gave them a promise that on the day it's brought to light and day it's discovered, know that I will, the one I've called by name, you know, God is going to pour out his spirit upon. And they're seeing the first beginnings of revival in their church. It's an absolutely awesome place. Amen. And God spares no expense. No effort, no energy to connect me to that. And that's why for the entire afternoon, I'm just weeping and saying, God, wow, this is incredible. The gardener. The gardener. The gardener. 
He's restoring his garden. Come on. What we've lost, what we haven't gained, what we lost pre-COVID, post-COVID, mid-COVID, what, what we've lost. He's come back. He's visiting his garden. Amen. He's restoring the trees. The leaves of which are for the healing of the nations. The trees planted in the midst of the stream that flows out of the throne of God and the Lamb. The streams of living water. We're planted by streams of living water. Come on, there is no excuse for barrenness or dryness. What we got to do is forget the former things. Amen. We need to perceive and take a hold of the new. Come on, sons and daughters of God. Prophesy. Can you not hear the wind blowing? So he says to me, David says to me, do you want to go to Angel Hill? I'm going, Jesus, is there more? Oh, just please, I want to go, just wherever, just take me. So we reluctantly leave the field. We drive down the road, go into another farm gate, into this field, and there's a knoll, K-N-O-L-L, a hill, maybe just as high as this part of the church here. And I go through, and he says, this is where Cuthbert used to come, and he would kneel on the hill, and the angel of the Lord would come and appear and minister to him and give him directions for the ministry and empower him. I walked up there. Again, just goosebumps. Just power just coming over me. Just gooseies. And uh, we just took time to pray in that spot. And I said, God, you visited me with your angels so many times. I, I want just fresh visitation. I want revival. I want the angel of your presence. Come. Do this again. Do it again here in Scotland. Do it in our church. Because you've connected me for a reason. And just the presence of God in that place. And David turns to me and he says, those Celtic apostles would talk about thin places. Thin places. And this was a thin place. Where the gap between heaven and earth was so thin. You could experience visitations of God. You could encounter angelic intervention and ministry. This is a thin place. I tell you, I stood there. I was in a thin place. You don't have to go and visit Angel Hill. I want to tell you that where you are right now, where we are sitting this morning, in your ministry, in your place, it's thin. Thin atmosphere. Thin place where we can hear from God, where we can have encounters with God. Amen. We can pour His Spirit out upon us. Are you all good? And so, so the entire weekend was just so powerful and blessed. I've got all the photos. They downloaded for me. I did the interview with them. This is the book that was put out by the Scottish Department of Treasuries and Archaeology. That St. Cuthbert's Cross that they picked up. In it is the entire story. A few days ago, Debbie says, can I phone you? And I said, sure. So I said, give me 10 minutes. 10 minutes later, they FaceTime me. It's her and David. And they just began to share the testimonies of the healings and miracles that had taken place with my time there. And then she said, David said, but last of all, we reserve this for last. He said, remember how you prayed at the healing well, the rumbling brook healing well? So I said, yes. He said, you remember what you prayed? I said, yes. And he said, I'll show you now. I'll send it to you. He said, the day you left, the Scottish government put it out on their Facebook page. It was called, Can You Dig It? And they listed every site of every known healing well in that area of Scotland encouraging people to visit the healing world. The Scottish government 
Come on, you haven't got a better story than this. This is a good story. The Scottish government prints it. I've got the photo. We'll put it on the video and says, you know, go and see. Go and open. 120 healing wells in that little area where those ancient apostles you moved, where they would pray over the wells so that people could get healed. Eight of them notable. Eight of those wells are notable, and one of them is Rumbling Brook. And so suddenly, that bottle of water that's standing in my office, this bottle of, and then the Scottish government says, here's the healing wells of Scotland. When we prayed and said, God, open the healing wells. Open the healing wells. God, open a healing well in ACF. God, open a healing well in Church Arise. God, open a healing well in Port Alfred. God, open a healing well. I dibs it. I dibs it. Father, just do it. Do it, Father. Taristo mach debe nos. La previso mach dido. Nats taish. Lovrechta sibros. That which you've pursued with the inner core, with every fiber of your being, says the Lord. I'm opening for you. It's time for the manifestation, the fulfillment of my promise to you, the word that I spoke. Atriso amalech vishdano. Prabetu ukali vista. Sheprayus. Sheprayus na prevail is to class. The greater works you shall see. The greater works you shall see, says the Lord. Traste mumplach levrest, they shall come from afar. My son, my daughter, they shall come. And I will enter you with healing in my wings. La prabot resina la vestekres. Do it, Lord. Do it, my Father. Do it. Do it. Open healing wells. Open healing wells. Do it, my Father. Oh, do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Whew. Oh, Jesus. Oh, do it. Do it. Do it. It's happening in Vinda. It's happening in Venda. It's happening in Venda. Come on, that's the angel of the Lord just ministering to you, brother. Open that healing well. Father, in the name of Jesus. Uh, in the name of Jesus. I just anoint you with my tears. Oh. My tears. <laughs> Ah. Open healing wells. Apostle, God spoke to you a few years ago and said, start a miracle pool. I remind you of that, says the Lord. Step out, stir up, and see healing and miracles in that part of Zimbabwe. And across from into Zambia. Father, I thank you for it in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I just want to thank you for this holy thing that you're doing. Father, I thank you that you connect us, Lord, to revival. Do it, Father. Lord, we're tired, Lord, of just no power, no action. Father, we're tired. Do it, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Just listen. Just allow the Lord to minister to you, but just listen. The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them. 
and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it. This is you, the church. The excellency of Carmel and Sharon, they shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. Strengthen ye the weak hands. Confirm the feeble knees. Say to them that are a fearful heart, be strong. Fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. Even God with a recompense, he will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. The ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as an heart and the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert. And the parched ground shall become a pool and the thirsty land springs of water. In the habitation of dragons where each lay shall be grass with reeds and rushes. The Lord's field and a highway shall be there and a way and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those. The wayfaring men, though fools, shall not err therein. No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast shall go upon it there, on, and shall not be found there, but the Redeemer and the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Look upon Zion, the city of our solemnities. The eyes shall see Jerusalem, the church. A quiet habitation, a tabernacle that shall not be taken down, nor one of the stakes thereof shall ever be removed. Neither shall any of the cords thereof be broken. But there... The glorious Lord will be unto us a place of broad rivers and streams. For He's our judge. He's our lawgiver. He's our king. He will save us. The inhabitants of Zion shall not say, I am sick. The people that dwell therein shall be forgiven their iniquity. Remember ye not the former things. Neither consider the things of old. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beasts of the field shall honor me, the dragons and the owls, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. This people, this people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my glory I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thy offspring and they shall spring up as amongst the grass as willows by the water courses one shall say I am the Lord's another shall call himself by the name of Jacob and another shall subscribe with his hand unto the Lord and surname himself after the God of Israel. And they that shall be of thee 
The Lord shall guide thee continually. The Lord shall guide thee continually. The Lord shall guide thee continually. Satisfy thy soul in drought. Make fat thy bones with the anointing. And thou shalt be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. And they that shall be of thee shall build up the old waste places. They shall raise up the foundations of many generations and thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. Come on, church, that's for us. It's not for tomorrow. It's not for the next day. It's for now. Come on, He will come. It's early prophecy in Genesis about Jesus coming. Shiloh. Shiloh. Greatness stalks the earth in you. Come on, you're made in His image, His very DNA. Amen.